Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, it is the 6th of January, 2022. And it's a far different um, perspective on a day than we had at this same moment, same hour a year ago. So as we here in the United States mark what will be a most inauspicious of anniversaries uh, on this January the 6th, I don't want us to miss what's going on in Kazakhstan. And you say to yourself, What? What in the world is going on in Kazakhstan? I'm not even sure I know where Kazakhstan is. Well, it's one of the stands, one of the stands. So it's in Central Asia. Uh, it is formerly a part of uh, the USSR. It is still authoritarian, um, and Russia is still its best and closest friend and ally. So the citizens of Kazakhstan have been protesting in the streets um, against a very sharp rise in the price of fuel in what is a very petroleum-rich country. Uh, Another reason that Kazakhstan, by the way, is one of the places in the world where the United States vies with Russia uh, in terms of power and influence, because it is a petroleum-rich country. So the people of Kazakhstan um, are fed up not only with uh, their authoritarian government, but with Uh, A a sharp rise in the price of fuel, making it impossible for them to not only uh, have the transportation they need, but heat their own homes. And so they have been taking to the streets in increasingly violent protests. Um, And those protests have resulted in the the seizure and the burning of government buildings, um, the assault of hundreds of police officers. So hundreds of police officers have been injured. Twelve so far have been killed. Um, one of whom was found beheaded. So this is uh, a this is not a peaceful protest. But these are also people who are um, desiring the kind of freedom that we enjoy here in the United States. And so it does lead us to a very robust conversation about when and if it is ever appropriate for people to um, use violence against their own government. Now, why do uh, I bring that up today? If you don't know why I'm bringing that up today on this January the 6th, um, then uh, we need a history lesson, both about the formation of this country and the events of just a year ago in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and the events at the Capitol, U.S. Capitol building. Um, You're going to see it covered and commemorated today um, from a variety of perspectives, but uh, I think you are going to hear it largely um, covered as the most significant assault on our representative democracy um, since Bladensburg, which if you don't know the history of Bladensburg, Maryland, then there you go. There's another little history project for you today. Um, People are going to need uh, to be with Christians who know peace, 
who know peace that passes all understanding, who sow peace, not only in conversations but in relationships, Um, Christians who are speakers of truth and not willing to believe lies, big or small, Christians who are Christians, Christians, kingdom people, ambassadors of a king and a kingdom, um, no matter the temporal government or our frustration with, with it under whose authority we find ourselves. Our Christian witness, not only here in the United States to our own like actual physical neighbors, but our kingdom witness to Christ around the world matters. It matters a lot. It matters more, actually, than whatever nation state a Christian lives in or the form of government a Christian lives under. We're kingdom people. We're kingdom people. Wise men from the East, from kingdoms that were certainly not Christian in background or origin, made their way on this day to bow down to one who they acknowledged was the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. A a king who did not come to overthrow Rome, but to overthrow every human heart. And whatever idol is enthroned there. And so on this January the 6th, I really want us to be people of epiphany. Not people who are worried so much about who or what exactly happened in a nation state called the United States of America, which will ultimately just be a blip on the screen of human history. And instead, focus on the one around whose incarnation, life, death, resurrection, ascension, and second coming, all the world revolves. All the world revolves. And eternity as well. Dr. Peter Kapsner is going to join us next. We're going to talk about some headlines that um, our parents and certainly our grandparents would have never even been able to understand. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. us today. He is a professor at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. Uh, he is also a business owner and a, and a husband and a dad and a pastor. He is a man of many hats and many talents, and I do not know if he owns a camel. But if he did, he would have been on his camel following the natal star to Jerusalem. I mean, not to Jerusalem, to, uh, to Bethlehem. Yes? Oh, for sure. I actually, it's minus 10 in Minneapolis where I live right now this morning. So I was on the camel early to go get the newspaper and, and the thing died like the Tauntaun and Empire Strikes Back on that ice planet of Hoth. So, you know, I climbed inside the intestines a little bit, but that's as far as we got this morning. It's cold in Minneapolis and I would love to ride a camel around here still nonetheless. Okay. So I feel, I feel confident that like the, the camel hoof on ice is a thing to behold. So camels on ice might be a thing that that we should talk about in the future. 
You're very good today, entertainment. Wouldn't, you could right? charge a lot feel, of money for that. You really could. I feel I feel like, yeah. I feel like the camel's hoof is a smushy, not not hard like a horse, but I could be totally yeah. wrong and I haven't investigated that personally. So um <clears throat> so we digress. We do. I am going to read you um a headline from a news website. I'm gonna read you a headline and I'm going to ask you to explain it to my mother who was born in nineteen thirty eight. Would you be willing to do that? Well, it depends on the headline. Let's, yeah, well, let's here, see how this goes. Well, exactly. well, here's the headline. Transgender man mm. who gave birth to baby after surprise pregnancy shares his story. Quote, I was terrified. Oh, wow. Boy, that that is hard to explain, uh, Carmen. I I. I think a few things come to mind, and, and I, I had seen some of that news story as well. I had, had saw the headline of that. And a couple of things. I do really think if we ever had the possibility of somehow living a day back in 1940, 1930, 1950, 1960, any of these decades, we would see what's a really common phenomenon. And that's how much we tend to forget how different things are generation to generation and how just even maybe seemingly... Um, not innocent kinds of things that happen, and sometimes not so innocent. How they how they play themselves out generationally, and uh, this is too long of a conversation. But we do uh, a, a full hundred minute talk in my sexuality class about how one decision in the nineteen fifties then snowballed into the sixties, which then sort of grew life of its own in the seventies and went to the eighties, and and how we get to the headlines that we do today. And certainly, the world of today would be terribly unfamiliar to people in the the 40s and 50s. And so I think that's one piece of it. I think into the story itself, there's a couple other reflections. One, uh, again, a conversation for another time, but when you start blending the genders and uh, and, and beyond the physiology of this, that doesn't make any sense uh, because this is a, a woman who still has a womb who had decided that they were a man. Somehow in that process, still got pregnant nonetheless. And so now... Um, the hospital is honoring, quote unquote, this person by calling her a him and calling her a dad and, and all of that. Beyond all of that, I think we really need to get our head around the, the biblical text and the, the pictures of God that are in the biblical text from whom flow the male and the female. And we spent a ton of time in my class in Genesis 1 and 2, but then also tracing the masculinity and femininity of God as it is represented in his image bearers on this earth and and why it's important that you maintain those distinctions, why mm-hmm. gender blurring is a really big deal. If, if we can't, as the church, answer the question why it's a big deal that there are gender distinctives. I'm not talking gender roles. I'm talking mm-hmm. gender distinctives, what make us different from one another and the necessity of both. Uh, once you get through all that, Carmen, you and I doing a show like this together on, on a morning in a segment like this, I have begun to increasingly advocate that men and women have to be working side by side in all walks of life, uh, not just marriage, but in every walk of life, because they bring different things to the table. I don't always mm-hmm. know what is masculinity and femininity in its entirety and what's conditioned by our culture and all of that. Here's what I know biblically. We're supposed to both be here, and we start blending this together, and it gets really troubling. And, and this whole article is about this person living their truth and being celebrated for it versus being able to walk in the truth of the kingdom that you so rightly talked about at the opener of this hour. 
Yeah, there's a sentence in this piece that um, when I read it, I had to reread it and reread it again and then say to myself, there's so much confusion here and I and I'm so sad for this child. Yeah. So yeah. so this um, this person um, is Alex and Alex is a biological female, uh, clearly fully biologically female. Alex conceived and gave birth to a son. That child's name is Gray. And then there's this sentence. Um, It's not that Gray's mother isn't in the picture. In fact, she doesn't exist. Yeah. The curiosity stems from Alex being a proud transgender gay father. Okay, so the, the confusion here has so many layers. Um that one has to peel them back one by one in order to explain to somebody like my mom what is going on here and the world in which we now, um, you know, inhabit together and the desperate need for the gospel. This is, yep. this, this is a story that cries out for the gospel. Um, and I am concerned not only about Alex, who is suffering such deep delusion, um, but I'm concerned about Gray who is now a two-year-old boy, being raised by a biological female who is so convinced that she is a man that she was not only surprised but terrified to find, to discover that she was pregnant, as if she didn't know how that happened Mm. because she sees herself as a gay man. Right, right. It is, well, and, um, it, it, it is, yeah. it, it is such confusion. And so let me just say, we're, we're lifting this up today because this is a prayer concern. This is a cultural concern. This is a concern about, um, pulling, uh, pulling confusion apart and bringing truth to bear on something that is happening in real time in the lives of real people really today. And that's why we're talking about it. So Dr. Peter Kapser and I need to take a very brief break. When we come back, um, we're, we're going to talk more about relationships today and how people are finding those relationships um, and what it really looks like and means to be, um, to be a person in a relationship today in a world of such great confusion. We'll be right back. I feel like this is my opportunity to ask Peter how he met his wife. Oh, boy. So we uh, we met when we were 15 in youth group. And Carmen, a long story short, I was utterly smitten. It was like a thunderbolt hit me when she was leaning up against those uh, those bleachers in the youth group gymnasium. <laughs> she gave me a braces filled smile. I gave one back. And uh, and then at the end of the evening, as we were walking out of the youth group, I professed my love like only a 15 year old boy could. I picked her up and chucked her into the snowbank. And and that was it. I mean, she if she didn't know I loved her, then I you know, she really missed the signals. There's no question. <laughs> That's a true story. I threw her into the snowbank. That was that. So. I just love that. I love that. Yeah. All right. So um, we have a, uh, a a young man. Well, he's twenty nine. He's 29, so I guess maybe that's part of the concern here. He's 29. His name is Mohammed Malik, and um, he has not only established a website uh, to find himself a wife, he has taken out billboards, um, at least three billboards across Birmingham, England, 
uh, that uh, is a photograph of him. And then this, Save Me from an Arranged Marriage, reads this giant 20-foot ad um, for Mohammed Malik. Um, there is a, There are others who have taken to billboards to find mates. Um, is this sort of the modern version of the, uh, you know, singles ad? I guess so, right? I mean, first of all, before we get into that part of it, because there is a conversation to be had here. Is I mean, this guy's a, a bit my hero. He has a billboard for him. So he's, I always I get, he's going to get a show out of this. Bench. Totally, yeah, no, I want to. He's going to get a show out of this. Yeah, he does. He totally, he totally will. But uh, but I, it's really. And I have a I have a twenty two year old and an almost twenty year old at home, and and we do actually talk about how hard it is to find somebody that you might be interested in dating these days. And, and for me, I was part of a, of a 200, 300 kid youth group and, and I wasn't there to learn to date somebody. But at the same time, over three or four years together, there's a lot of people that you just simply cross paths with in a, in a Christian environment that was just really helpful in some very formative times. And you now put together uh, among the different ingredients, such as COVID, which we all know has separated our ability to be together on an ongoing basis over these last couple of years. And and for somebody in my age bracket, it has been disruptive. But I, I don't know that we always realize how disruptive that has been in these very, very short years of 16 to 23, 24, when people are kind of oftentimes, at least in our culture, figuring how to date, to, to meet people. They haven't been able to do it very effectively. So you take that, and then you also, some of the natural community environments in which we used to have our lives intersect, and not just the church, where maybe Hallie and I met, but before we became so dispersed and, and we're so mobile and we're so on technology for our friends and, and all of that. Now, we, we lived more a little bit like a parish or a village mentality. So not just in church, you would run across people in the workplace, you'd run across people in restaurants, maybe sometimes you worked with somebody that you also uh, were pretty close to in proximity in terms of where you lived. So it's really, I, I don't think until I started having kids that are now of this age, I really underappreciated how hard it is to try to meet somebody and I'm suddenly a little bit more sympathetic. Maybe not. Well, I'm very sympathetic to the billboard for a variety of reasons. But but I, I, I am sympathetic to trying to find somebody to date. And, and some of these um, dating apps that are they're online, they are a stew of, of all sorts of disordered kinds of things going on. But some of them actually might be the only place where people can say, gosh, that person would be at least mildly interesting. And and I know a, a young woman who's dating right now, and she is meeting people through these apps, and, and then she texts Hallie and me where she's going to be and when she's going to be there, and and just uh, meeting some people. And, and it can be fairly effective, but I think it's really hard, Carmen. I think I just – this billboard really just highlighted – how lonely and isolated and not part of something bigger the young people are. And and I think, going back to our previous story, it's one of the many reasons why there's been such a rise of even sexual confusion among many other expressions, mm -hmm. is young people just don't have a story in which they live and a people to hold them in that story. And we're seeing the effects. It's not, it, it is really difficult. All right, just to be clear, for those of you who are concerned, uh, Malik says that he is not, um, he doesn't have anything against arranged marriages. He would just like to see if he could find someone on his right. own first. He's the right. only child um, <laughs> uh, of his parents, and clearly they're, they, you know, he's 29. So I feel confident part of the story is they want themselves some grandbabies. Like, right? That's just that's totally what's going on here. Oh, I'm um, already pressuring my kids hard for that part. I, yeah. Like, I'm just saying, this, like, this right? It's me. just, so um, <laughs> right. it's interesting how forthright he is about his faith 
and the desire to meet a person um, of his faith who is practicing her faith, you know, shares his faith. I thought that was an interesting component yeah. of this um, because I feel like if if this person were a Christian and had led with that, the billboard might have been declined. Anyway, that's a different Agreed. subject. Agreed. But I totally think that one of the reasons that he can be so forthright um, on the whole topic uh, and it gets so much positive press coverage um, is that uh, he's not a Christian. So there you go. I'll leave it agreed, at that. Agreed. Yeah. I want, and yeah. just quickly on that, I mean, that's a pretty big financial investment. I don't know how much a billboard is in the UK, but they can be twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a month. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful wow. that this works out for the really? young man. Yeah, it could be expensive. That's that's the right, only if reason somebody why I don't wants have to buy. If somebody wants to buy us a billboard for Mornings oh, with Carmen in. or for Faith Radio, we we will totally we will totally talk with you about that because not 100%. not that we're. Not, not that we're not totally happy with uh, the who's listening now, but we do think it would be fun to find more people to listen. So there you go. Agreed. I love it. I, and, and obviously, billboards are effective because we're talking about one. All right. Uh, Peter Kapsner, thanks so much. Have a blessed day. we got to take a break for Breakpoint, and then we'll be right back. So we all know that we are supposed to go and make disciples of all nations. When's the last time you made a disciple? What does that even mean? Is that different than having a mentor? Is discipleship different than mentoring? Would you like to have a mentor? Would you like to be a mentor? What might that look like? We're going to talk with Kevin Harris about radical mentoring next. This is Max Locato. If you want to see believers search for words, ask, who is the Holy Spirit? You know, the Bible makes more than a hundred references to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said more about the Holy Spirit than he did the church or marriage. The Holy Spirit is central to the life of the Christian. Everything from Acts to Revelation is a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came alongside the disciples, indwelled them, and gave the early church the push they needed to face the challenges ahead. After Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit became the primary agent of the Trinity on earth, and He will complete what was begun by the Father and the Son. Keep in step with the Spirit. He directs and leads. You must follow and obey. This is Max Locato. Joining us now is Kevin Harris. He heads up an organization called Radical Mentoring. I'm going to direct you to their website, RadicalMentoring.com. Kevin, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, how are you? Well, I am well. I am well. Absolutely. I'd like to take a minute to get to know you um, a little bit before we talk specifically about Radical Mentoring. Um, And so maybe um, we're going to go to the end of your of your bio on the website, and I'm going to ask you this. If we were going to watch a good game this week, what game would we be watching, and for whom would we be rooting? Uh, Well, there's two things I'd tell you. Number one, you'd watch Duke basketball, and you'd always root for the Blue Devils. Number two, you'd you'd wait until Monday, and you'd probably watch the Georgia Bulldogs and cheer them on against uh, the evil empire of uh, Alabama. (laughs) All right. So um, that's awesome. And if you were going to be reading a, a good book, what good book would you be reading? 
I am reading right now a great book called Redeeming Your Time by a guy named uh, Jordan Rayner, who just talks about the biblical mandate to be good stewards of the time that we have, and then give some real practical input into how to organize your day and structure your structure your life around being being that good steward. I love that. You also talk about um, that you'd be cooking a good meal. And then you also say that you um, that you enjoy coaching. And I, here's the part I like about this. Um, and this tells me a lot about you. You don't say what you enjoy coaching. You say who you enjoy coaching. And so you say you enjoy coaching your sons. And for me, that goes so far beyond sports. That is about, you know, pattern uh, developing a life after which those in the next generation are going to pattern their lives. And so thank you for telling us that you coach Thomas and Bo um, and not that you coaching them in a particular sport. I just, I really appreciated that and the way you framed that. You're the first person that has ever, uh, ever said that. So thank you for saying it. I'd never really thought about it until when I wrote it until you just put great words around it. So thank you. Absolutely. All right. I want you to take us back to 2002. You were in a radical mentoring group with a guy named Reggie Campbell. Tell us about that and um, and the difference that that has made in your life. Yeah. So I lost my dad in a car accident when I was in high school. And so, I, you know, like most most men, you know, I had I had a wound that came specifically from that uh, that 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 moment in my life. Um, but I'd kind of navigated through college and made my way into Atlanta and started my career and thought I had, you know, I had a head knowledge of, of God. I had an idea of what maybe it meant like to, to follow Jesus. But when I walked into Reggie's house for the first time in January of 2002, it was really the first time I met a guy who had, um, who really modeled what, what Eugene Peterson talks about in the message is a way of life. And what I mean by that is, Reggie was just a guy who had a story to tell, good, bad, ugly, um, and just was willing to to take a group of younger men in, with a journey, on a journey with him, where he wasn't there to tell us everything he did and and how we should live, but help us just process life as we lived it. And um, it was a it was just totally transformational for me to see a guy who had worldly success, but who had this amazing uh, kingdom humility and kingdom focus and just a desire to want to pour what God had poured into his cup and just dump it out for other guys to have a chance to, to scoop it up. So that, that was my experience with Reggie, and it was a game changer for me. So you talk about um, how through that process um, with Reggie and that group that met in his home, um, you developed a personal purpose statement. Um, why why does that matter and how um you know how how has that sort of changed points along the way on the path because i don't think this is all just about like making a u-turn it's more like a giant clover leaf where we're you know yeah, over the yeah. course of time right so talk a little bit about the purpose statement then and now yeah so you know purpose statement can feel a little pithy and big and um, but what Reggie really challenged us to do, we used a book called The On Purpose Person by a guy named uh, Kevin McCarthy. It's a great, great book that helps take people through the exercise. But what the purpose statement was something that really drove it into a, a kind of a personal decision making filter by which I could then think about what I should be doing, whether it's uh, in relationships or time, 
Um, and so what I, what I ended up with, and by the way, it took much longer than just a year with Reggie, but that was the catalytic event that happened was I exist to glorify God by helping others unlock and then apply their God-given talents and strengths. And so it took me a little while to get there. But what happened is when I was in the business world, I could then look at my relationships with my clients kind of through that lens of um, I want them to, to see their business bigger and broader than just the transactions that happen. I want to help them understand how God's gifted them and where they can use that. And so for me, it, it really helped shift my mentality around the work that I was doing um, and really made it personal. You know, it gave it meaning um, and, and it allowed me to walk into places with confidence, knowing that, that that's the way God has designed me. I love that. Um, we're talking with Kevin Harris and we're talking about radical mentoring. It's all available online for free at radicalmentoring.com. Um, tell us the difference between mentoring, as you're describing it, and discipleship. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. That's one of the questions I get asked really often. In in the church world, discipleship is such a buzzword. Um, but for a lot of guys, and, and by the way, our ministry serves men and women, So we, we but I have a tendency to drift to talk about men because I am one. Um, discipleship feels so weighty, and it feels oftentimes like you have to go through a series of courses and you have to know a certain amount of stuff before you can disciple somebody. And when Reggie started, um, he just called it mentoring because that was for him as a business guy that made contextual sense for him. Most people understand the word mentoring, but for us, mentoring is not a one-on-one um, over a cup of coffee uh, conversation. Mentoring is about helping men understand this sort of whole life transformation that can happen when someone who's willing to just take the life experiences that they have. I mean, that's people say, well, what do I, what's my training? Well, it's the life you've lived. It's the recognition that God is taking you on a journey and it's your willingness to share and pour that into a group of a group of people. That's, that's the only job requirement that you have. And so, so mentoring just contextually makes a lot of sense to me and feels like something that is, is easily uh, transferable to, to somebody else. All right, we're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Kevin Harris from Radical Mentoring. You can find it at RadicalMentoring.com. We'll be right back. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Kevin Harris about radical mentoring. Um, there's a great piece written by Kevin posted at um, the Christian Post, and it describes the operating system um, of radical mentoring, but you can also find it all for free at radicalmentoring.com. Um, let's talk about this operating system, because it's it's one thing for you to say to us and for us to actually believe, yes, as mature disciples— or ever-maturing disciples, or disciples who might be a little further along the road of life than uh, those uh, who are younger than we are. Um, It's one thing for us to be the pattern. It's one thing for us to be the curriculum. So I understand that. It's also another thing for me to have, like, some kind of plan. Um, 
that I can have in my hands when people arrive at my house or when somebody says, will you be my mentor? Okay, I actually had this experience, Kevin. I, I A couple of years ago, this wonderful, magnificent young woman asked if I would be her mentor, and I just looked at her because <laughs> I thought to myself, I have no idea what you're asking me to do. Yeah. So, so can, you un, can you unparalyze me? I will unparalyze you. So a couple of things. Our model is a group mentoring model. And so the power of that is that it does over time become less focused on the mentor. It's a facilitation model. And so the mentor over time is really as these relationships begin to unpack, he's really just leveraging the, the experiences of the group to help them sort of um, have these conversations. So that's one thing we believe. We also have some one-on-one that happens, but the group is, there's real power in the group. And and by the way, that's what Jesus did. He had a group of men that, that came around him. So Jesus believed in group mentoring. Um, but what we hundred percent agree with you, there are people all across the board, you know, there's the type A person that's like, yeah, come into my house. We're going to meet for three hours once a month. That's all I need to know about the agenda, but there's others, myself in that camp, that would like more guidance. And so when you go to our website, you, the, what we've really tried to do is say, here's nine months or 12 months, depending on how long you want this process to go. And here's everything you'll need from the topics to the books we recommend to the homework assignments, to the scripture we want you to memorize. And there's a three hour agenda for each one of these sessions so that you'll be able to have some markers and know some things that you need to cover in each each one of these sessions because a hundred percent agree you've got to have some you know you've got to have some guardrails um, to know how to control the conversation but you also don't want it to be so open that it that, that you're sort of left going oh I don't really know what I'm even supposed to talk about and so we've what we've really tried to do on that website um, and by the way there's a group of people on our staff that help help potential mentors and churches along the way understand how do you implement something like this. So we just don't give you a bunch of resources and no person. We give you resources and then we assign a person to the individual so that they have a have a place to go back and check in and have some conversations along the way. So we just want to we want to take the model, hold it really open handed and get it in the hands of leaders and churches who just have a heart to want to see the next generation thrive. And we think that happens most uh, beautifully through Jesus-centered redemption and intentional relationships. Um, I, I I love that. I also love that you. This is useful in the context of congregational ministry. So this would work great um, for uh, an individual, mature Christian who felt called and wanted to be equipped to serve as a mentor and host a group um, in their own home. This also works really, really well. Um, as as the the process that a church utilizes um, to actually disciple their people generation to generation. So, can you just talk about like how this functionally works in churches um, that are using radical mentoring? Absolutely, it, it's always a piece of the process. And so, you know what we what we believe is. You know, this is not going to replace Sunday school or replace a small group ministry, but we think this serves in in two ways. Number one, it does allow people who want to take another step in their in their life of following Jesus. It provides just another avenue for them to do that. Um, But it also helps develop leaders. And so what's happening oftentimes in in somewhere of the 500 or so churches that we work with across the country is you've got a 
an, an experienced leader, the mentor, who's then is taking his, he's modeling to a group of next generation leaders, what it's like to facilitate a group, what it's like to have hard conversations, what it's like to share your story. And what's happening in so many of these churches is that next generation of leaders is then raising the level of leadership across the other ministries in the church, because then they're going back into their small groups and their Sunday school classes. And they're, they're elevating the capacity to teach others because they've, they've had it modeled so beautifully for them. And so it really is a, it's a, it's a pipeline of leadership development. It's a disciple making tool for a church. And it's really just another step for those people that want to, that want to go uh, a little deeper in their walk with Jesus. Um, so the resources are available at RadicalMentoring.com, and I, I want you guys to check that out. Um, this is good for men. It's good for women. Um, it is, it's all free, which is also just extraordinary. Um, so, Kevin, sometimes people think that because something is free, then, you know, it's not valuable. Um, can you talk about how it's possible that these resources are free? Yeah, we've got an incredible group of donors, both individuals and churches who experience life change through this mentoring process and who pay it forward. And so my, our, my belief is, um, is that, and Reggie would say this too, that God dropped this in his lap. Um, and so why try to make this a subscription model or, or some kind of pay to play when we just believe that that we know what's going to happen on the other side of this mentoring process. And so if we get it in your hands, we're going to infect you with the mentoring bug. And then we're going to reach out and say, Hey, if this was life changing and life giving for you, would you give back? So somebody else could experience this. And so as long as we have folks that give back to us, we just want to make sure we make this available for others to, uh, to experience it. And so that's really the heart behind it. It's that we're grateful that God's given it to us and we want to make sure that others have the opportunity to, to put it in the hands of leaders and or churches that want to see that same life change happen. And so that's really the model behind it. It's uh, that there's incredible value. We just want you to experience it first before we ask you to give back to it. Yeah, I love that. Hey, can we pray for you as you go forth today? I would love it. Father, we thank you for Kevin. Um, we thank you for the way that your Holy Spirit animates his life. We thank you for every good and perfect gift you have poured by your grace um, into him and through him uh, in this ministry of radical mentoring. And so we ask, Father, that you would continue to bless him uh, to produce such good fruit in his life. We ask your blessing upon his family. Um, and Father, we, we would ask that you would extend this discipleship model to more and more people um, by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Carmen. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Absolutely. I look forward to, to meeting you in, uh, in person um, someday soon. All right. That is Kevin Harris from Radical Mentoring. You can find it all at RadicalMentoring.com. We'll be right back. Apostle Paul makes the observation that Christians are the ones who shine like stars um, in, you know, in every generation, in every, frankly, perverse generation. And so what does it look like on this epiphany, on this January 6th, for you and I to shine like stars? The wise men um, followed 
the bright star um, to discover the one who is indeed the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Daniel 12, verse 3, actually is the forecast of all this, the, the prophecy related to all this, that those who are wise would shine like the brightness of the heavens um, and lead many to righteousness. And you and I are intended to shine today like stars, not that people would see us, but that by us, they would see Jesus. And so as people still seek Christ today, let him be found where we are, right? Like, let us be the conduits today of grace. Let us be the ambassadors of the king and the kingdom. As people are seeking Jesus today, are they finding him when they find us? Are they finding us kneeling at his manger throne, kneeling at his cross, kneeling before him as the one who is ascended into heaven and from whence he will come again to judge the living and the dead? Are they finding us worshiping Jesus, shining like stars, reflecting the radiance of who he is? That's my encouragement to each of us and all of us today on this epiphany. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.